Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Carl Carlson. And this is Fred Schenkelberg. Hey, Fred. Hey, Carl. I've been, uh, I've been getting lots of uh, questions from my uh, the Ask Carl a Question uh, button on the Inside FME series. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate uh, when people take the time to uh, ask thoughtful and meaningful questions. And it's just a, a joyful part of my day when I get to answer those and stay connected with what people are doing. And so I've got one that uh, came in a few days ago on a, a gentleman who uh, wrote about this. They bought a company that had a plant equipment stored for a number of years. And then they're trying to ramp up with this plant equipment to uh, get it working. And I won't mention names of the company or that type of thing, but just the scenario. It's just a fascinating subject of uh, here you are. You don't have all the history of the equipment. Uh, you don't have the, the you know, like failure history, that type of thing, or right. even the specifications other than what you can get from equipment manuals that happen to be there. Um, do you know if there yet, was like a, have, a, do you know if there was a spares storeroom or stock room or? I, I don't know. Okay. Didn't, uh, didn't mention it, that in the question. Yeah. Cause that would be the first place to go. Look, it's like, but it's, it's kind of the dilemma is the spare parts that are here are the ones we're not using or are those the ones we expect to use? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it still leaves you in the dilemma. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And of course, the question was FMEA related because it came in off the FMEA series, and uh, with the you know should we be doing a process FMEA or what should we be doing because we're spending most of our time fixing uh, equipment and with lots of downtime and they're trying to ramp up production, and so I, I thought that's an interesting uh, question and I dove into it and and uh, advocated that they that first of all they would need to. Um, document their processes. In other words, they have to have a process flow diagram of some kind. So step one, step two, et cetera. And then I I think it's useful, uh, no matter whether you're ramping up a new production or an old line, to prioritize. So if you have 100 process steps, all 100 are not equal. Some of them, because he's been going for about a year, so some of them may be uh, not uh, having a problem. Mm-hmm. And other ones are, or some of them have serious a, problems. When it goes down, it takes you six weeks to get apart. Exactly, you know so that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. So prioritizing steps so you don't necessarily do a PFMEA on all the processes. Uh, and I like to prioritize at least the high, medium, low. And if you have lots of time, you can do the all of them. But you want to start with the high priority. Well, I imagine processes. that if you even just do the high level part, and it. it I mean, it pretty quickly a team could say, all right, we got to prioritize on this, this, and this piece of equipment. And then that'll keep them busy for a long time <laughs> to, yes, to get it on, right. you know, going. And then as those, the trouble is, is that you still got, you know, that let's say it's a, a Pareto of, of equipment causes of failures, right? It, the hard part with old equipment is that our knowledge of bringing up 
new equipment or running existing well or maintained equipment is it's a whole different set of risks and different things that fail and for different reasons. You know, just the corrosion itself can get into so many places, assuming it's a mechanical systems. um, It's just different. I'd say do the PFMEA, but bring in some of these old, the the graybeard type folks that have old plant equipment experience because that's different. It's fundamentally different than bringing up regular equipment. It, it is the and, and, and I'm, my mind is is uh, sifting through different methods because when we're talking equipment, we want to talk maintenance and essentially reliability center maintenance and supportability that type of thing. Right. Um, and so there's a body of knowledge in RCM now. At the core of RCM is a type of FMEA. It's a maintenance FMEA. Mm-hmm. But even an RCM procedure, whether you use Mowbray's book or other standards, SAE standards, uh, you're going to prioritize which equipment to work on. Right. Because and and so you're, then you you can do a maintenance type FMEA uh, on that select those selected equipment items. But you don't go down to root cause the way you would on a design FMEA. You because on a design FMEA you go to root cause so you can improve the design. But on maintenance, you want to get to the level of maintenance actionable. Right. And because you might be swapping out parts uh, and you're not necessarily going to be in fact, you most likely aren't going to be fixing the design. Well, that brings up the question though. In that process, is there a point where you cross the threshold saying we got to scrap this and buy a new piece of equipment. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah, that that's that and when you're doing the FMEA, now of course the the FMEA that supports maintenance, uh there's there's different logic. So uh, I would encourage listeners to understand the differences. It's not a traditional FMEA. You're going to be doing certain logic diagrams to see what the risk is. But once you understand the risk and then what it would take to maintain the equipment, then the column recommended actions or the follow-ups are going to be like a trade-off. And it's that point where you're you're going to say, okay, we're expecting this number of um, problems or failure occurrence on the equipment. Mm-hmm. And with this level of severity and uh, then one of the solutions might be you're just going to start over on the equipment. Now, that's not a, an easy solution to make because that takes time. Well, so does, you know, breaking down regularly and being offline for a couple hours every day. That that's adds right. up pretty quickly, too. Um, and, you know, another question I got on this is that, I mean, you mentioned that they've been working on this for about a year and they're looking at how do we break through on this and, and would a PFMEA work? Imagine if they asked that question when they first opened the doors to the factory. Oh, this stuff's, you know, mothballed and we need to bring it back up to life. Let's turn the power on and see what happens. And they have no experience. They have some experience with the the process or the equipment. They have a few hands on that, you know, know about this equipment. So they're not completely blind, but they don't know the history. They don't know its storage conditions. They don't know. Almost fruitless to do an FMEA at that point. Yeah, the uh, if you're doing see the FMEA I was talking about is a process FMEA where we're actually building the product. You're using the equipment to build the product. Right. The 
the a different type of FMEA is an FMEA on the equipment itself. Right. And 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 now, so which one were you talking about? Well, on the equipment itself. I mean, it, okay. I mean, either one. I think when you first get open the doors and say, "Hey, we need to bring this factory back to life," there's a lot of unknowns. They have no. It's you're pretty blind. It's more. I'd say before you do an FMEA, is you got to fire it up and see what starts and what doesn't start and what smokes and what doesn't. And I would know. agree with you that uh, particularly if you're going to do a maintenance FMEA, uh, then you need to know whether the, if the equipment doesn't start at all, then, then it's a different problem. It's a different problem. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it reminds me of startups. You know, it's like, no, 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 we don't want to do an FMEA yet. You know, we we got to actually get one of our concepts to work. <laughs> well, okay. Good point. And of course, there's another aspect. Let's go to the process FMEA side. Now we're just talking about here's process step one, step two, step three, and we're like we're building uh, a product and uh, using equipment, using people. Um, at that point, as input to the process FMEA, you want to understand what is most important about your product. Mm-hmm. I'll call them key product characteristics. Right. And that is essential input. So you don't just start with the PFMEA uh, first meeting. You want to understand what the key product characteristics are. Some people call them significant product characteristics because they're during the PFME process, you're going to convert them to to significant or key process characteristics. Mm -hmm. And then all of those, and here's the, the key, in my opinion, all of those become input to the process control plan. And that's the document that's going to manage the plant and manage the the uh, the processes. And here's where you're going to use techniques like statistical statistical process control or other techniques to make sure your processes are in control mm-hmm. and capable. But they come from the PFMEA. Some of them come from the from the product itself. And so that's kind of a soup to nuts when I was doing this answer to the uh, to the person. Um, that primarily a process FME focusing on the process steps, but linked to a process control plan with input from the product characteristics. And I haven't got time, it'll probably answer part two, is, oh, by the way, don't forget maintenance and the equipment. And then you can do a, like like you say, once you've got the equipment to see whether it works or not, you can start uh, doing a a, uh, RCM procedure so you can develop your preventive maintenance plan. Yeah, and there's, I mean, it's a good distinction between the maintenance one and the PFMEA. The The issue I have is that, I mean, it, if they've been doing this for a year and have been just, you know, experiencing way too much downtime, I mean, it doesn't, the RCM side of the things, I think, needs as much or more attention. And the FMEA part is a, critical part of it, but is, do you have the right equipment? Do you have the right kits? Do you have the right uh, training available for your, t- your team? Are you, are you detecting issues quickly enough before they, you know, destroy a bunch of other things it is it still includes that prioritization part, but it's where are the areas that give us the highest severity issues that we got to go solve. But then it's coupled with decent uh, RC or uh, a root cause analysis type stuff. It's if you're running from one to another just to get the lineup, um, 
you're just going to keep repeating these, these downing events. Exactly. So I think it's, it's one of those, in my mind, it reminds me of that commercial years ago where they were building the airplane while it was flying kind of scenario. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or fixing the airplane problems in the air. That's right. You know, and uh, do a sky hook to bring the new engine in place so you could swap it out for the maintenance cycle on it oh. while it's flying. Um, it, they can do anything in Hollywood, apparently. But uh, the idea is is that it's it's a, a necessary step to step back and say, hey, we need to focus and solve and put problems to bed properly get them all the way out and that's the cultural part that some factories you just never see it's get the ops manager is like get the lineup get the lineup let's run let's run we got numbers to make kind of thing so i think the technique you use to prioritize and and get sorted and everything else could be all for not you could go do a, a beautiful fmea and have a control plan and have all this other stuff but if the ops plan is you don't get on the line. You can't touch anything. We just keep it running. It's for not. Yeah, there's. I'm, I'm supporting both tools. In other words, I, I, I like both. The answer is both. Now we can uh, debate and should and they should debate what sequence do you do you focus on the maintenance side first or do you focus on the process control uh, first? And but I would want to get to the place where you have both. Uh, what what people need to move away from is the whack-a-mole you know where you're just overwhelmed Mm -hmm. Uh, you could imagine the longer you don't focus on prevention and longer you don't prioritize and and improve then the more the problems are going to overwhelm you and so that's the thing is how do you when you're trying to ramp up when you're trying to race to the finish line how do you also take time to do RCM procedures, take time to do PFMEA while this whole thing is is working. And that is where the, that's the real world. Uh, so many clients over the years that are, that didn't do the prevention side, but they're in production and they have to keep going. In other words, they can't stop production and just shut down for two months. But that's not always true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I've run into a couple of clients that they, you know, they, they, they're short on staff. We can't get the, the enough of the right people in here quick enough. They don't have unlimited budget to hire a whole consulting crew to come in and solve all these problems. So they just shut down for two mm-hmm. weeks and say, you know, we're not going to make these shipments. And, you know, we're struggling to get anything out or the a quality product out or whatever. I think it's part of the, mindset of just because you said you're going to ship a hundred thousand and you're not making it and doing what you're doing now is not working (laughs) your whack-a-mole kind of approach you know having the the management gumption to say you know in order for us to make it long term we got to step back and get this right and that takes guts because there's so many pressures to ship another unit and that's not always the right solution. I, I'm going to agree with you on this. So let me clarify what I'm saying. If, if you're, if you're, if products are going out the door that are, do not meet quality objectives, 
you can't do that. Right. That's where you have to shut down and and stop. And and many assembly lines have that pull cord that basically stops the line. Uh, and so you, you can't compromise the quality. What I was thinking of, and I probably didn't make it clear in talking about it, is the where you have problems with certain equipment that is taking time and money, but you're still getting the quality product out. Right. You just have higher waste. Right. And that's that's the trade-off uh, that you can if you if it's if you're just talking about waste and you want to minimize waste, you can in parallel while you're still going, you can work on a PFMEA or other things. If you are not able to ship a quality product, you got to stop. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I also I think there's a point though that and it's a balance. If I'm making commitments to say I, I'm going to ship X number of units at the end of the day, and then we're consistently not making that, well, don't make those commitments one yeah right yeah right you know if what you're doing is not profitable you gotta step back and say i i actually had that discussion with somebody in a production line is they we were they were making this uh it was for the auto industry of course and the auto industry representatives um said you need to shave another nickel per unit off of the price of this and now it was four cents the the payment they were willing to make was four cents less than the cost of the raw materials, not accounting any any labor or anything else. <laughs> you know, even putting it in a box was going to create a loss. And they said, "Well, you can make it up in volume, All right? So how do we lose four cents per unit and just make a million of them and still lose four cents per unit? Get better? I mean, how's that work?" <laughs> Right. And so they sold, they got out of the business. They gave it to somebody else. Um, But it was just the, if you're losing money at some point, if this equipment and the breakdowns are happening frequent enough and you got idle staff and it shuts your line down and you creating more waste and more scrap at some point, it's just not tenable anymore. You got to do something different and not And one is make sure you're not over committing. But two is at some point you got to say, no, we need to stop and overhaul this piece of equipment and yes. actually focus on it and get it right. But I think there's a financial connection there that the maintenance teams are trying to do what they can to get stuff up. They can step back and get improvements and focus and they can, um, you know, get faster at bringing equipment up, doing the root cause and solving problems all as you're going only to some extent at some point, if especially with old equipment you don't have a lot of history on and if it's taking you down on a regular basis. Um, the part, the reason I, I mention it is, is that too many teams focus on, well, we said we're going to ship a hundred units and we're going to do it one way or the other, even if it's at a loss. Now in some markets, you got to do that on occasion, but it, it, right. you know, bringing up a new plant and, and, and knowing that you're going into it with high expectations and a lot of unknowns, at some point you just got to step back and say, Hey, we got to work on this. <laughs> yeah. And so just to, to be as clear as we can about this, we're not going to ship anything that doesn't meet quality objectives, but we will, we, you may decide from a business standpoint that you can operate for a certain amount of time at a loss because you're going to improve market share eventually, you're going to scale up, uh, things like that. That mm-hmm. would be a business decision. And the 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 part that's 
kind of hitting me as we summarize this particular topic is the the challenge when you haven't done and i'm i'm not talking about this specific scenario here but in general if you haven't done the right prevention activities first like ideally you've you've done rcm procedure and you have your plans in place uh, before you're in production right. that, would, that would be ideal you, right. you understand your equipment uh, the and ideally you've done your design fmeas pfmeas process control plans uh, as you're getting ready to launch but in the real world sometimes you haven't done that so now how do you play catch up right and there's no simple answer to that <laughs> That's right. it, it's not automatically one way or the other uh, it's going to be a business decision of things you like you've brought up where you're gonna have to talk about profits and loss uh, we're gonna we're gonna pull the cord uh, whenever there's quality issues we're not going to allow poor quality to get into the field or poor reliability and but all the rest is going to be a business decision the the if I was to summarize it I'd say the, the need is to prioritize in other words we don't have to do a large PFMEA and everything right you can be very selective at least when you start you can say let's hit the the highest priority first and narrowly focus on that and then keep focused around key characteristics because all characteristics are not alike and if you can identify which ones are most key they go into the process control plan and then the process control plan can guide your activities in the plant yeah so just a, a few summarizing thoughts yeah, and if you got some thoughts on this, if you're listening to this, let us know. Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. This sounds like I recorded it, doesn't it? I got to break it up a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can leave us a message or a voice message uh, at that uh, URL, or you could find Carl or I, the other hosts of the show, on LinkedIn or on our About pages at Ascendo. Plenty of ways for you to get in touch with us. And as Carl's finding out, he gets plenty of questions through the Ask Carl a Question, which I think we're going to come back and catch up with some of those. So there's a, a tidbit for the next episode. Um, so anyway, thanks, Carl, and uh, hope it works out with this guy and their plant, and and they get. Hopefully, it's not anything I'm buying tomorrow. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Fred. Good conversation. All right, talk to you later. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.